This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Lots of reaction on the long-term care file today, but when it comes to action, not so much. There's a big response to the CARP editorial opinion piece published today in the Toronto Sun highlighting the campaign to fire long-term care minister Marilee Fullerton. It's framed as a plea to the premier, but He's actually making a show of support for her. They are scheduled to make a joint announcement as soon as we are off the air, as soon as the program is over at one. Uh, and uh, premiers don't usually make joint announcements with people they are about to sack. But having said that, a show of support for a minister under fire is often a prelude to a sacking. So, We'll have to see. Meanwhile, Prime Minister Trudeau made some noises about requiring higher standards and holding provinces to account for federal money they receive. Take a listen. The provinces that don't choose to give their seniors the highest level of standards um, will be asked questions on that by the folks who are sending their moms or dads into those senior centres, and it'll become a, a, a difficult answer for them to give. Okay, well, um, I'm not sure exactly what uh, that particular clip said, said or what he meant, but he did say that, uh, that the provinces will be held to, uh, they'll be held to standards. They will have to account for how they use the money matching and make matching funds and all of that. But that's not new. What's clear is that he's obviously trying to avoid annoying the provinces by demanding an actual national standard. And in terms of holding the provinces to account for the money, uh, Minister for Seniors Deb Schultz told me the same thing a couple of weeks back. So uh, I guess the question is, does any of this amount to very much? The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll free 1866. 740-4740. Right now, let's go to Bill Van Gorder, Interim Chief Policy Officer at CARP, and Jane Medes, the Institutional Advocate at the Advocacy Center for the Elderly. Hello and welcome. Good morning. Good afternoon, Good afternoon. Libby. Okay. In between, yes. <laughs> okay, well, uh, Bill, congratulations on your uh, the publication of your op-ed piece. And, and I have to tell you, I just saw it was retweeted by Andre Picard of the Globe and Mail, who is a big authority on health issues. So, uh, I mean, I would say uh, it is getting quite a lot of traction. That was a, that was a huge endorsement for what CARP uh, had to say. And isn't it sad that we should be congratulating ourselves for talking about such a terrible uh, issue, especially uh, in the holiday season. It's, it's hard to have any uh, state of, of uh, any kind of uh, joy in terms of the uptake this has had, the response that we've had uh, online, on Twitter, to our, to our petition has been 
very, very high. And all of that just underlines what a horrible problem this is. Jane, uh, how do you see the situation? Any improvements since we last talked? You know, when you see the politicians get up in the House, they're saying they're doing everything possible. Well, you know, we would take the position, of course, that they're not doing everything possible. I think this has been mishandled. Um, you know, really, the situation hasn't changed. And in fact, they're, you know, frankly, they're rewarding the bad actors. Um, Orchard View, which was one of the homes taken over, you know, that had the Canadian Armed Forces in, which, um, you know, had one of the worst reports, got new beds. Yeah. Um do you think that, uh, you know, this campaign to fire the minister is something that can result in action by the government? Well, potentially if they got, you know, got the right person in. But the problem is, is that I, you know, it, it goes, I think, up to right to the premier, right? So you, you, we hear a lot of things from the premier. We hear a lot of things that, you know, we're doing everything. But unless there's a will to change, actually change things in long-term care, um, you know, does it really matter if we change the, the minister, um, if they're just going to continue on doing the same thing? And unfortunately, I'm not, you know, convinced that there would be much change, unfortunately. Well, unless they decided to give whoever the new minister would be a, a little more power. I mean, that would be a signal, I guess, that they're taking the whole thing a little more seriously, Bill. Mm-hmm. It, it, it would be. And, and you know, it's, it's it's really sad that we have to focus on a a woman who is who was an excellent doctor for for thirty years. Uh, what we're saying really is, I mean, the the buck does stop, does stop with the uh, with the minister, uh, and but the premier has talked about his uh, concern for the what he called the worst reports, the most heart-wrenching reports, yet he doesn't seem to be able to move the ministry either. And what are the bureaucrats thinking and doing within that ministry right now? Don't I mean, we can't ask for them to be fired. They're protected as, as bureaucrats are. But that's where it stops. And they're the ones who aren't supporting their uh, minister. And hopefully this petition with uh, uh, thousands of people uh, signing it and going up every day, hopefully that'll wake them up and get some real action, not just promises. Uh, Jane, I mean, uh, how I see it with the premier, you know, he sees something like that report. He gets all emotional. I don't doubt that he's sincere. And then after that, uh, piles of people, not piles, but, but various people representing various in- interests, you know, suddenly explain to him why this or that or the other thing cannot be done. Whether it's lobbyist for the nursing homes or, or, you know, even not-for-profit nursing homes say, well, we need, uh, you know, w- we can't have full liability because uh, we won't get insurance. So that's what I think is happening, is that he has maybe good intentions. He gets all upset. We know that. And then, you know, um, there are too many people saying no way. Absolutely. And I think that's the problem is that, you know, they're listening to the industry. Um, they've backed themselves into a corner um, with the system uh, right now. Um, you know, how, how do you fix it when you don't have the staff, you don't have the money going into it? I mean, he could put all the money he wants into hiring PFWs, but if there's none available, you can't do that. 
um, and they've just absolutely refused to properly inspect homes. They haven't let, let you know had any charges. Um, I was rereading the uh, Canadian Armed Forces report this morning, just preparing, and I just cannot believe that you know not only you know the reports from the ministry from their inspections were um, pretty tepid. Um, you know, there were no provincial offenses laid and there were no criminal charges laid. And I think that all of those things could have been done in this case. And, you know, until the ministry and, and perhaps a shakeup in the ministry will do that, we need to get really good leadership who's going to say, we are not going to take this anymore. And these people who are taking millions of dollars from the provincial coffers have to um, make changes. And, and if they're refuse to do it, we're, we have to change the system. But they are listening to the lobbyists. I have no question. Well, it's interesting. You know, one of the arguments, Bill, that, I, that I've always found basically ridiculous, but everybody sticks to it is, okay, all government money is, quote, earmarked. So if you get uh, 10 bucks to hire a PSW, you have to show that you spent 10 bucks, that 10 bucks hiring a PSW. But if uh, that $10 allows you to keep another 10 in your jeans and give it to your shareholders, I don't see how it's it, it, you're any further ahead when, uh, you know, some municipal homes are really good. They're, they're not for profit and they spend more money. And that's that's right, and the the accounting. I mean, he, even the auditor generals, uh, both uh, uh, provincially and federally, have have pointed this out that the money that tracking the money and holding the uh, companies responsible for spending the money that they've been given for on the the staff and the and the PPE, the other things they've been given it for, must be done. And there's been no there's been no follow up on. On that, nobody's been brought to uh, to account, and we're left with still rising cases uh, every day and reports of not enough staff and not adequate PPE. Okay, I would like to give the numbers out again. Let us know what you think. Uh, or do you support CARP's campaign to try to get the minister fired? And will it do any good? And do you have a loved one? Uh, how are you doing? Christmas is coming up next week. We are just finishing up Hanukkah last night, tonight. Uh, were you able to see your loved ones? Will you be able to see your loved one? Uh, and are you worried? I mean, the numbers even in the second wave, are pretty staggering. And we know that in the first wave, uh, 80% of the deaths were in long-term care. Well, I think it's down to 60 now. You know, I don't think that's much of a victory. So the well, numbers... Sorry? I was just going to say it. It certainly... We're still we're still going at 90 uh, per day and uh, 20 deaths per day in, in Ontario by the government's numbers uh, from yesterday. It's not... It's, not going down, it's going up. Uh, officials at one point said, you know, if the infection rate was over 40 per 100,000 population, then we had to lock everything down. That was really, uh, really bad. Ontario was running at 97 per 100,000. Well, uh, it's, it's, well, well, we just covered that in the lead bill. Now the, now yeah. the hospitals are act, asking for yeah. a fuller lockdown, and Toronto is uh, in lockdown. The thing is, it's not the same as last time. Um, Jane, I have a question that has some legal implications. So 
we just heard from the NDP and their ethics critic has said that he has discovered that Rivera, which is one of the big private operators, has been quietly transferring each of its licenses for long-term care homes to separate holding companies. And he's wondering if this is an attempt by the company to limit liability. Uh, do you have a view on that? So, yeah, so they, they seem to be doing that. It's unclear whether that is a, um, uh, to do with limiting liability. And that's certainly um, possible that that's what they're trying to do. Um, it also may have to do with the transfer to do with the building of new facilities. Um, so, you know, and redevelopment. It's really unclear at this point, you know, to, to know exactly what that is. And w- um, sorry, what what would it have to do with new development? Why would why would they do well, that? Well, th- that's a good question. <laughs> but we just don't, you know, we I, we don't. I, I just learned it of myself, so I'm not exactly sure. Um, I haven't looked to see whether or not they're presently in different companies or not. Um, but I think it is very concerning um, at this point where you see this, and it could be potentially to limit the liability of that company. Um, you know, which has come under a lot of criticism, given that it is. Um, you know, owned by the one of the federal pension plans, which you know has to report to the government. And so, you know, we you know you had that um, clip from Trudeau, um, and and yet you know, like look in your own backyard. So presumably, it could limit liability because if there was a big problem in a home, the home uh, would have to pay it out, but Rivera Corporate wouldn't have to uh, dish out for that, right? Well, again, it, that's not really my area of law, mm-hmm. so it's hard to say exactly. Um, you know, trying to limit liability sort of in the middle of when you're liable uh, doesn't always work. Um, so it, it, you know, it really depends. Okay, uh, that's a very interesting development. And as you pointed out, that you know, one of the the worst offenders uh, that had one of the worst outbreaks. I mean, they've got more beds. They're allowed oh. to develop more. I mean, it's it's it it kind of um, boggles the mind. We're seeing all these homes that have, um, you know, that have very poor records um, being uh, going to open them, and I think that what's telling is that they see the profits that they can make, and they can really work uh, without much oversight. You know, they they complain a lot about the oversight. But when you actually look at it and see what happens to homes, it's very little. And clearly, these homes are making millions and millions of dollars. Um, you know, the not-for-profit sector is probably, you know, very likely looking at this and saying, well, we don't want to, you know, expand in the middle of COVID when we've got we've taken enough on on our plate. Um, the government's desperate to open new places. And so they're, they're, they're rewarding people who are bad actors. But, you, you know, they they seem to, you know, have any other um, plan in place. Okay, let's take a call from Murray and Malton. Hello, Murray. Hi, Libby. How are you? Fine. How are you? Good, good. Uh, I was just going to say that because there's a shortage of meds already, the government really can't do anything to these people because if they close them down or they, they, they have enough penalties that they feel they have to shut down, where are these people going? And because Doug Ford is building all these uh, new facilities, I think that's a good idea. Once he gets to a point where there's extra beds around, then he can go, hey, you guys, guess what? 
Well, yeah, except, uh, you know, uh, I think that to get to that point, he'd have to be reelected uh, probably twice, not even once. Well, and um, uh, he, I mean, he's got uh, he's got three homes right now that uh, he's hoping to have opened in a year and a half. I think it was right. So that that will definitely help. But yes, this this is going to be. I mean, it's been twenty years that uh, the, there's been no real money going into long term care. Well, so it's going to take another ten to get out of it. Well, like here here's the thing. That's certainly the excuse, uh, and it's not just this government. That, that uses that excuse. But, but Bill, I think one of CARP's issues is that they haven't differentiated between a long-term solution because they may be on the right track with a long-term solution and dealing with the crisis. It, 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 what do you think, Bill? Yeah, yeah uh, I absolutely agree. Uh, they have not, they have not, their, all their, uh, their plans have either been uh, ineffective, very short-term or long-term long-term promises. There is no real plan. And that's why we're coming back at the bureaucrats within the Ministry of Long-Term Care saying, where is the plan? Where's the detailed plan? Uh, you know, yes, things should have been done 20 years, 10 or 20 years ago. But if they weren't done then, let's start actually doing them now and not wait for another another 10 years. And that's where planning comes in. And this Ministry of Long-Term Care does not seem to be good at planning at all. Okay, Marie, thanks for your call. You know, Jane, one of the things that struck me, so what what I see as possibly the only thing that they've done that's effective, I don't even think it came from the Ministry of Long-Term Care. I think that it's came from those relatively new Ontario health teams, and that's the partnering of the hospitals and the giving over of the management to hospitals, but also partnering so that a hospital um, has some oversight and insight into what's going on in the homes in terms of infection control. And again, I, I don't even think that's a, that's a LTC initiative. I think that's, that's an Ontario health team thing. Am I, and, and does it matter? Well, I think it was, you know, I think it was a whole government uh, issue. Um, it definitely was brokered through the Ministry of Health and the Ministry of Long-Term Care. Um, uh, you know, our, our system is incredibly siloed, that's for sure. Um, you know, Ontario health teams, I'm not sure that they're going to help overall, but, you know, we'll see what happens. But, you know, there had to be this, this meeting up between um, the hospitals because the homes were just unable to provide the level of care. Um, I mean, the, one of the problems, of course, is that the difference in the um, funding for hospitals and long-term care and the way that they're run is incredibly different. And, you know, people who are going from the hospitals to the long-term care homes, um, I think, are incredibly shocked at the lack nature of what's going on in long-term care. So the way that you would gown up even in a hospital is entirely different than what you would do in a long-term care home because you don't have the staff to do um, like a two-person check. Um, You know, so in hospitals, you know, one person will make sure that the other person is all gowned up and everything. That doesn't happen in long-term care at all. Well, yeah, you keep hearing stories about they're still locking up the PPE and who's deciding that? It might, you know, be the person in charge of the shift. I mean, we don't even know, right? Well, and, and we're also hearing, you know, um, I, I know that um, uh, I think the Sunnycrest here uh, was found by the ministry not to have had people at the front door. 
um, doing, you know, temperature checks and that sort of thing. There were um, other homes have had that same issue that they're not, you know, having people at the door even doing the checking. You know, I can go out shopping and probably see more people checking at the door than some long-term care homes. Uh, yeah, um, exactly. I'm going to take a call from Bill. Uh, he doesn't think there's a case to fire Fulton. Hi, Bill. Well, it's not that I don't think there's a case, but I don't understand the case that you're making. If you I'm not making to- it, It's but Bill is here, Bill from uh, CARP, so go ahead. Go ahead, Bill. Bill on the phone. <laughs> oh, on the phone? Yeah, you, you. Know, if, you. If, if you could explain to me why you want this minister uh, uh, fired, because my experience, I, my, my dad passed away, and I took care of my mom in her home for eight years, and she went into a, a, a public home because it was close, and she got into it, the circumstances. And they did an absolutely wonderful job. And they used to quarantine that place in the winter. I mean, it was, it was locked down a wing every other day. So I, I don't know what, what you could do to prevent this. So if you want to fire the minister, what did this minister do wrong? Uh, Bill, I'm going to let you go, and you can listen to Bill yeah. Van Gorder's answer, but uh, I'm glad your mom was taken well care of, and you said it was a public a public home. But And you know what? They actually did a wonderful job, and it, she belonged to the richest generation that's ever lived. She could have went to any home she wanted to, but she wanted to get to the closest home to be close to her family, and yeah. it happened to be a public home, and she got into it. The money was not the issue. And the care there was fine. And I'm sure it was like $2,600 a, a month. And private homes were like 6000 She okay, could have went well, into a private home at 6000 no problem. Right. But but I she don't understand what your point you guys are making. But, but she, would, she would not have necessarily got better or even as good care in the $6,000 place. But the point is, if you're going to drive the private sector out of this, what are you going to do? Put it all on the, 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 the back of government and the taxpayers? I'm going to let and Bill answer the that. People that have ever lived, and you're going to put it on the back of the taxpayers and government. Okay, we're losing you, but Bill, uh, oh, Bill, please respond. Presumably, he's still listening. So Bill Van Gorder. Yeah, so good to hear that the other Bill uh, uh, had a good experience with his uh, mother, and and Carp is not uh, saying that. Uh, all um, for-profit long-term care homes are doing a poor job. And we're not saying that all uh, not-for-profits are not doing a good job. We're saying that 20%, over 20% of the long-term care homes in the province at the moment are not living up to standards that are protecting them from uh, COVID and the other kinds of problems that we've outlined uh, today. And something has to be done for the 20% of our uh, loved ones in long-term care who aren't getting the care that they're uh, looking for. And that's the responsibility of the ministry for all long-term cares, uh, uh, for-profit and not-for-profit. And uh, we're calling uh, on the minister and her ministry to do something about those 20% and to begin by enforcing uh, standards, and that's the, that's the big problem, and that's that's the question all uh, through this. There are no standards that are enforced across the province, uh, and those and that must happen first. And and why standards haven't been right from the beginning of this uh, 
issued nine months ago haven't been enforced is beyond us. And that goes right back to the ministry. And the minister is the senior person. So that's why we're talking about her. We're starting to uh, run out of time. But my recollection is that in the first wave, they were doing inspections by phone. Hello. (laughs) That can be really useful. Uh, I understand why why those officials didn't want to go into long-term care. But, you know, a lot of people on the front lines uh, did risky things to for the public good. But anyway, so they didn't do that. Um, as I said, we're starting to run out of time. To my mind, the biggest miss was not instituting a training program like Quebec did in the summer that raised the pay and paid for training for personal support workers. Jane, do you agree with me? I, I do agree with you. I think that was a big problem. Um, you know, but I think also the inspections is that they are not enforcing the legislation. They are not, they have never held homes accountable. Um, and I just want to correct one call. We're talking about private versus public. And he's really talking about long-term care versus retirement homes. $6,000 is a retirement home. Those are tenancies that you purchase care. Um, the, you know, long-term care homes can be, all sorts of things. There's lots of public money going into private companies, um, and it, that's not what he was talking about. Those are two different things. Okay, so you're saying there are no long-term care uh, homes that are kind of the luxury version? Absolutely not. I didn't even um, know those, that. You, know, this, this, you this said the prices are set by the ministry, and it doesn't. You should not know whether you're in a municipal, for-profit, not-for-profit, um, charitable. You should not know the difference. We do know the difference, but Theoretically, you shouldn't know any difference there. Okay, uh, we're uh, getting to the point where we have to move along. Uh, Bill, what would you like to leave us with? That we've got to keep the uh, the pre- pressure on one way or the other. Uh, this uh, spiraling uh, uh, a, a new sets of cases in long term care and in the entire province have to be stopped. And the premier and the minister and the department have to start doing something about it. And hopefully we'll hear a half hour from now them announce that they're taking some real action and not just uh, airy-fairy plans for the long-time future. Okay, uh, Jane, 20 seconds to wrap things up. We need uh, more money, we need more staff, uh, and we need more uh, enforcement. Okay. I think that that's what we need to do. Okay, well, uh, yeah, we keep talking about it. Mm. Let's hope, as Bill said, that maybe we actually see some action at 1 o'clock when that announcement is. In the meantime, thank you so much, Jane Metis and Bill Van Gorder. Thank you. Thank you. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to 1. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.